Hello, Mech Warriors, and welcome to the Mech Bay, where we fix your mech and fix your game. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mech Bay Podcast, your number one source for everything casual up to competitive tabletop Battletech content. Today, me and Dustin talk about how we made a mission, played it, and our thoughts on the game and the post-battle report for it. So, starting out, we've got a little bit of Battletech news. This just in, Wave 2 is incoming. That's right. I th- they, Catalyst sent out a email, and all the shipping containers have left China, so... I don't know how long it takes uh, those to get across the the ocean, but they're coming. They'll be here one day, one day soon. So if you're just now hearing this, make sure your address is updated. Unless you're planning on getting your Wave 2 boxes from either Ares miniatures or Fortress games and miniatures, do that now. Uh, also, MechWarrior 5 has released on, I think, just about every gaming platform uh, I know a lot of people were waiting for it to leave Epic Game Store. Uh, they also released, Piranha Games also released a free update for the game, and you can come play it with me. Uh, we're going to be doing a social night this week on the McBay Podcast Discord. Yeah. So if I read correctly, that comes with the Heroes of the Inner Sphere pack. So you've got actually like infantry and everyone else in the game. Yeah, I haven't seen the infantry in the game yet. Uh, I'm not sure why, but, you know, who knows? Uh, yeah, it's a $20 DLC. I think the standard game is selling for $30 most places. And uh, pro tip, only one player needs the Heroes of the Inner Sphere DLC uh, to play if they host it. So not your buddies don't all have to buy the DLC to play the DLC, I guess. All right, give it to me honest, Dustin. Do you enjoy MechWarrior 5 more than MechWarrior Online? I do now. Uh, I had a lot of fun (laughs) playing MechWarrior Online back in the day. I just don't have the time to dedicate to online games right now. I kind of have to be able to, I got the kids. I got to be able to stand up and leave most of what I'm doing. And online games, you don't want to ditch your friends like that. So No, I fully understand. Yeah, MechWarrior 5, I'm having a good time with this expansion. Uh, The game's kind of a puddle. It's not very deep. So, you know, you play through it once, you collect all the mechs, give it a a year or two, and then you can play Gotta Catch Them All with the mechs again. That's, I mean, it's an arcade game. Yeah, I mean, that's a good way to look at it. If I have read all the forums correctly, mods are not working for the Steam release right now, and that's kind of upsetting the people that that waited and then are now buying it. Yeah, um, I'm sure the modders will, you know, be on top of that, getting everything fixed up so you can play your real-time strategy Battletech on MechWarrior 5. I mean, that's that's what I'm waiting for. I mean, I hate to say it, but I am waiting for turning the newest MechWarrior game into the newest quote-unquote Mech Commander game. That's right. Live the dreams you want to live <laughs> <laughs> through mods. All things are possible. Don't let your dreams be dreams, people. That's right. Uh, I've heard rumors that the Ill Clan sourcebook is slated for June, I want to say. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty hyped on Ill Clan. Josh, how about you? How are you feeling about Ill Clan sourcebooks? I am keeping myself tempered until I see more in the pipeline. 
Like, I want to see more of the Ilklon era fleshed out before I fully delve into it. Like, I'm ready. I did my Dark Age stuff. I did my End of the Republic games. And I'm just wanting to make sure that there's enough in the Ilklon era that there's enough to, like, support me as a gamer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think this is, you know, the first part of that. Uh, but we'll find out hopefully soon. All right, so let's get some hobby progress in for the last two weeks. So today's hobby progress is brought to you by Aries Games and Miniatures. Remember to get your hobby on at AriesGamesAndMinis.com. Dustin, what have you been up to? I know you've been busy these last couple of weeks. Yeah, I've been mostly busy. As far as hobby stuff goes, I haven't been super busy. I painted up uh, my albatross that I ended up not using because it is not pre-invasion. <laughs> I'm pretty sure on the origins of Battle Mechs called you out on that one. <laughs> yeah, I had definitely made a big goof and made a list with, you know, I think it was all Helm stuff, but it was all post-invasion. And I definitely said we were going to do, like, between 3039, 3050, like, pre-invasion, post-Helm core game. And then he was like, bro, none of that stuff is, you know, legal for your list. And I was like, crap, I got to make a new list. Uh, but anyways, I painted that albatross up, and I also put a little work in on my Clan Wolf Alpha Galaxy. That's all on my Kickstarter mechs. Whoa. I mean, I saw the albatross. I saw it. It looked great. Our Thank new you. Battletech friend saw that and thought it looked great, but I have not heard about this Alpha Galaxy. Yep. It's just, you know, I had to put paint on the Alpha Galaxy, or sorry, on my Clan Wolf stuff, and... I guess I'm doing Alpha Galaxy, Beta Galaxy, and Gamma Galaxy. I'm just, you know, just a clan wolf boy. The full clan. Yeah. Is that I've... the full Kerensky or? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. How about you? What have you been up to hobby-wise? Well, if you're on our Discord, you saw me take everything that I got in Wave 1, finally outside, and put a nice big coat of black primer onto it. And that was it for my painting. You'll hear later that we actually got a game of Battletech in. But I'll save that for in the next couple minutes. But I did deep dive into wanting a World War II historical naval fleet just for the fun of it. Like it was one of those things that I'd always wanted as a kid. And now with you having a 3D printer, me having time and money, the two of those things made a wonderful child that I like to call <laughs> <laughs> plastic miniatures that make myself happy. Yeah, I'm pretty pretty excited to see that you paint those up, um, or at least the two test prints we got. Um, and it's all your fault. Now I've been like listening to World War II naval engagement videos on YouTube at work, so it's all your fault. I've read through a bunch of the rules for these games, and I'm like, this is just Battletech, but on the water. Like, honestly, Battletech is one of the best, in my opinion, like logical follow through. Like, what would what do you think would happen? And then that happens after you roll dice. And a lot of the World War II games that I'm seeing do that. And it kind of just fills that gap of, well, I want something that's in the past, not in the future and using previous technology. Like everyone loves their mech and their mech has like a personality. And to me, World War II ships have that same kind of aesthetic. The only thing right now is I'm debating in which scale to print them up as. Do I want them like to the mech scale or do I want them as like, teeny tiny so i can put them all on like the palm of my hand and essentially paint them up and use them for like a diorama but you also came to my house and you delivered something that we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks and that's the 
3D terrain for the MechBay podcast itself. Yeah, uh, I got my old 3D printer brushed the dust off. I, it kind of went cold over the pandemic because I was, frankly, using it exclusively to print Battletech terrain. Uh, so when I quit playing Battletech, I quit printing. <laughs> whoa, whoa, we didn't quit playing Battletech. We just took a hiatus for mental health. That's true. That's true. And now we're back, baby. We are back. I mean, masks are off in some places. We're still waiting for the game stores around us locally to let us go back into the play areas. But we will be back in force. We will be bringing people back into the game. We've already gotten two people during quarantine into Battletech, which I think is actually pretty impressive. And as I'm speaking this, I found the dice that I was looking for. Because they were next to my microphone. Ah, that's where they were on the. That is where they were. I right knew behind was, you the whole time. They were right in front of me, right next to the thing that I do most battle tech of. Am I looking? Do they have the, my Comstar dice? Yes, they have my <laughs> super, super super curved, very warped Comstar dice. Because I was waiting to use these, and I was like, I spent an like almost a full hour looking for my Comstar dice. I was like, these will be the first times that Comstar dice will be used in Battletech. It's been a year since I got them. <laughs> no, I could no. not find them. Where were they? I kept them in the, in the like, <laughs> Crown Royal bag. Uh, this is actually from my class ring from high school bag. Like, that's how long I've had this. And it, it's transported it. In t- it went from desk to desk. It never, like, went anywhere in any boxes. It was too precious. And I completely did not know where I put it. Excellent. <laughs> so anything else for hobby progress this week that's it for me all righty so the name of the game for this week is back to the table so yeah getting the game in yeah so we actually were able to meet all of our schedules aligned the gods on mountain olympus just said you two may play a game without mask at someone's house with four on an afternoon without interruptions, and it was beautiful. And it yes, it was it was incredible. The birds were chirping, but we were inside, so we didn't hear them. But I bet they were out there. You heard my dog whining, but that's about it. <laughs> I put the pressure on you to write a mission and that we would play it out. So, Dustin, please describe the mission that you wrote for us to play this beautiful Memorial Day weekend. So the basics were that there were three objectives. Uh, one was placed in the center of the map and the two other hexes or the two other objectives were placed mostly in the center of the map in between the players, but left to right, they could be placed wherever the players decided. And each player gets to place one objective. Uh, I kind of placed one off to the right and you surprised me by dropping the third objective kind of in tight with the other two. We ended up playing on effectively one map sheet. Uh, You score one point when your mech is on the objective from turns one through three. After turn three, we randomly remove one objective, and then the objectives are worth two points per turn. Scoring is done at the end of the turn after heat. Uh, The game was 12 turns long. Uh, And the list we use, although I want this mission to be somewhat list agnostic, what we decided to use because, you know, this is our first game back to the tabletop and gosh, a year and a half was, you know, four mechs, 5,000 BB2, um, no force withdrawal because we didn't have the brain power for that this, this, for this first game back to the table. Yeah. We've played a bunch of online things, but this was literally the first 
classic Battletech we've played in person in a year and a half. And it's sad, but we were responsible adults and we were doing as best as we could. So, Dustin, what were your thoughts when you were designing this mission? So, I want to have a mission pack. The The end goal is to have a mission pack for my next tournament. Uh, I want all of these missions to reward flexible list building, uh, but I want each of the three missions to reward flexible list building in a different way. Uh, in my mind, I wanted this mission to reward a speedy lance. Uh, I don't know if that is... You know, I don't know if that will be true uh, after playtesting, but that was that was what I was envisioning for this mission was to reward a nimble lance that could quickly get to the objectives. Um, that was that was my intention. Uh, we'll talk later about whether or not I think that is actually what this mission rewards. I guess I'd say our biggest goal was to just have a mission where killing the opponent was not the end all be all. Of yes, getting to the table, especially that, and I kind of maybe one of the missions will be blast them all, but you know with flavor. But I, maybe none of the missions need to be like that. Maybe you know because when is your goal to just completely crush the enemy? I guess that's that's a thing sometimes in war. But anyways, I mean, if I remember the definition of war, quote unquote, is. <laughs> make the enemy not be able to do what he wants to do like right so for us it's we want to be able to win whether it's kill or not kill right yeah because just blasting your opponent isn't always the best way to win the war so to speak yeah i mean for this one it could be seize the mech bays or seize the repair yards seize the ammunition factories essentially just there were objectives that we wanted to take that that would cause the enemy to lose his purpose of being on the field at all. Right. It was definitely like a take and hold kind of mission. You know, how good is your lance at taking, getting to the objective, taking it, holding it, holding it from the enemy. Just to reiterate, this was like a post hell memory core pre invasion kind of game. So we were limited into mechs that, were produced before the clan invasion. So Dustin, what did you put for your mech lance? So I brought a Victor 9K, which is kind of just a Victor, but now with Goss uh, instead of the AC-20. I bought a Grasshopper 5J, which has an ER large laser and two medium pulse lasers. I think uh, they kind of had to drop uh, two of those pulse lasers to squeeze everything in. It also has a streak two instead of the LRM five and an anti-missile system that I don't think I ended up being able to use because you did not shoot missiles at it. I had a Centurion nine D, which is just the better, faster upgraded version of the Centurion. You know, it's got the medium lasers facing forwards and rearwards. It's got that LB 10 X and the LRM five, but now with Artemis uh, and it's faster. It's a, Shoot, was it a six nine? I think it's a six nine. Uh, but what at cost, or but at what cost? Kind of, it has a XL engine, which you know, for inner sphere XL engines, that makes uh, your mech actually kind of squishy. I brought a Hermes three S. Um, he's still fast. He's still got medium lasers, and he's still got no armor. Uh, I think this one squeezes in a mask. I'm not super familiar with the original or you know intro tech Hermes, but this one has mask. No, I I think that's a good list. I think 
you hit the nail on the head with things that you want for any objective-based game, which is you got long-range shooting, you got close-range shooting, and you got something fast to react to things that your opponent is doing that you can't really handle from range. Yep. So, uh, How about your lunch? What did you bring? So I decided on essentially going with the theme of returning to manufacturer specs. So mechs with manufacturer specs. And that is nice. the Champion 01, the Lancelot 01, the Crab 27, and the Mongoose 66. So. And how are those chassis different than their Secession Wars um, inferiors? <laughs> so the Champion is using the LBA, LB10X and an SRM6 with Artemis 4 and Indosteel. The Lancelot has the XL engine, so it can and Indosteel, so it's got more armor and more heat sinks. The Crab has Indosteel, so it has the armor to really fill out that medium roll. And the Mongoose finally has a little bit more improved armor, and it's got the Beagle Active Pro, which really doesn't come into effect in these games, but it's just something to kind of pad in that slot. Yeah. This was a what I considered a fast mech lance. It's got no jumping. It doesn't have what I would consider superior firepower, but it has good movement where everything's a 5.8 or faster. And I really put all my eggs in that basket of speed will win me this game. And we will see if that actually played out or not. Yeah, I like this. Uh, you definitely need uh, faster mechs if you're not going to bring any jump jets. So I like seeing the mobility on these chassis. Um, you know, that's got good all all rounds ranged firepower with the Lancelot and the Crab. That's a lot of large lasers. Uh, the champion can reach out and touch with the LBX. And the mongoose is just, I mean, it's a mongoose. It's going to run up. It's going to stab you in the back. That's a feisty little mech. I always just imagine as like the rabid mech of the lance. Like I have three mechs that do what you think. And then one mech that's just going to like jump onto you and just completely like bite your leg until yeah, you deal just with gnaw it. at it. Yeah. yeah, he's a loose cannon. <laughs> but he's yeah, the chihuahua. Is- Exactly. This is a Chihuahua mech. Like the mongoose has the speed to get behind any mech that it wants, and you can't deal with it until you just decide kill the mongoose. Right. That's why a, I'm enjoy playing it. A but Chihuahua, yeah, is, but scary. Exactly. But yeah, <laughs> this is four. P- sorry, this is four large lasers, one PPC, an LB10X, and an SRM6 essentially for good play, and then the three three medium lasers for the mongoose. So it's not the high-level firepower that I would like, but all the armor is what I would consider medium to high levels, and the speed is in the definite high level for what I would see for this level of game. Yep. So let's actually talk about when we put mechs on the field. So we played this game on, was it Saturday? Was it Sunday? No, no, it was Sunday. It was Sunday. So we played this game on Sunday, so... It's fresh. It's fresh. So this is at least 24 hours after we've rolled dice. We have pictures in front of us. We've got battle notes. So you're getting the hottest tactics, strategies, and everything that we can put out. So, Dustin, turn one. We roll initiative. What is your thoughts going into this? Uh, so I deployed with what I thought was a balance of you know aggressive, 
aggressive posturing on the objectives, um, but not so aggressive that I would lose a mech to, uh, you know, like kind of a bad play, so to speak. Uh, so for me, I typically play pretty conservatively, but uh, in deployment and in those opening rounds of the game, but I knew that, you know, to kind of take command, take control of the battlefield, I had to control the situation from the get-go to start scoring early. I kind of pushed myself to be a little more aggressive, um, but not too aggressive, you know, with a pinch of caution. I had what I thought was kind of a reactive deployment, um, but an aggressive one. I don't know. No, I would, I would agree. You put your assault mech, the victor, to one side to kind of fin for itself, but also say, here I am, deal with me if you want to. And then you put your two heavies to the other side with the, hey, here's combined firepower. I have a lot of shots. The victor can cover me if you're going for this. And then the Hermes was in the back to kind of chase anything that you thought might get through the line. Right. So I had the Hermes on one objective to score in the first turn. Um, And then, yeah, I definitely have like my heavier assets in the backfield, but ready to get into the scrum ASAP because you had kind of secured two objectives with your heavier assets uh, on that first turn. Uh, What were you thinking on deployment? So my first thought was spread out the armor. So I see the victor go down early and I'm thinking to myself, that's a lot of firepower and a lot of armor that I don't want to deal with. So I put my medium, my light mech on that side, because if they're going to go down, they're not going to be like completely crippled out of the gate rather than like my two heavy mechs, my champion and my Lancelot. If they take a Gauss round or anything else from the victor, they're really going to put me on the back foot because anything else from any of your other mechs will punish me. So I'm putting those two heavy mechs against your two heavy mechs and I'm putting my medium and my light against your assault. I'm really trying to leverage not as much my tonnage, but just my mechs to stay around longer. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to lose a mech this early in the, in the round. Cause you gotta, you still want to make those objectives. Exactly. Like your assault mech might hurt my Karab. It might hurt my mongoose. I doubt it could kill one in one turn. Two heavy mechs, that's more on the possible side. It could completely cripple the crab, completely cripple the mongoose. I don't want to put that on the table. So those two lighter mechs go against your heavy. I should say your assault mech heavier. And my two heavies go against your heavies to kind of balance the field. Uh, all right. You want to move into turn two? Yeah. So after turn one we've got my lancelot on the middle objective my champion on the far right objective and your hermes has raced onto your far left objective tell me what is kind of going through your head during this what tactics are you trying to employ yeah so going into turn two i saw that you had those you know your heavier assets on the one flank and i kind of start to shift my victor um, into some cover but he's going to make his way over to reinforce that side uh, and my grasshopper also shifts that way. My centurion, which is very different with such a big engine, he's moving so fast. I was able to get him on the objective, um, and kind of put his back to the base. Uh, it's not the edge of the map, but it kind of felt like the edge of the map throughout this game. Uh, I mean, so I'm just, it was a level zero against the level one, and yeah. then a level one against the level two. So it was definitely like a natural incline of 
sectioning off this side of the table. Yeah. Uh, so I would say I was playing a little reactively in this turn. I'm still trying to keep my mechs, you know, kind of safe, but kind of re and trying to redeploy and push it back against those heavier mechs. Yeah. So my turn one, I essentially raced my two heavy mechs onto the objectives just to dictate the engagement, see if you were going to push up and brawl, see if you were going to sit back and snipe like i wanted to kind of see what you were going to do with this lance because i know what the mechs can do on paper but i don't know how you're going to play them after turn one i've seen that you're willing to hold me at range so i've backed off the lance a lot and i've moved the champion off the objective so by turn two i'm not on anything but i'm still want to say that I'm holding the middle. I'm wanting to see if you're going to push and be really aggressive or be conservative. Yeah. And I think that segues pretty nicely into turn three. Um, And I did end up pushing that Victor. I kind of left that flank alone. I decided that I was uh, just going to have to not be afraid of those two heavier mechs um, on that flank. So I kind of went back to the other flank with the Victor. Uh, I felt like I might've, I feel like I possibly trying to read your moves was being baited with the two heavier assets. So I put the Victor on an objective. I moved the Grasshopper um, reactively to the center of the field uh, to keep him flexible. With He still has the jump jets, so I feel like he could uh, you know, navigate around, but only four hexes at a time. I moved the Hermes to the backfield. I don't want to get him destroyed this early in the game. I wanted to have him around so I could use his you know, pretty incredible speed. Um, so I put some high movement mods on him and I charged the Centurion in to kind of push your backfield, uh, which he ended up getting uh, shot in the back, in the rear armor. And I think you, you rolled for a crit and there was an XL engine and a lot of ammo in that torso section. So that was a risky play on my part. And I think I got lucky. Yeah. So turn three was kind of when we, I want to say establish what we were willing to do in this game. So you decided that you were willing to push your Victor onto an objective and just keep him there. So that Victor, I will say never moved from that objective for the rest of the game. He turned, but he never left the objective, which I think is key to keeping an objective is willing to commit something to it. Like you're not willing to get off of it. You're just like, this is a mech. It is going to score points every turn. And I'm willing to put it on the objective every turn to score. Yeah. I liked how turn one and two, and then, you know, kind of everybody's doing the dance. The objectives aren't worth as much. Um, Turn three, you've still got the three objectives, but you know that next turn, one of them is disappearing. So you're still kind of trying to be flexible. Uh, You know, this is what I was thinking, at least. I'm still trying to be flexible with my Lance, but it's time to get aggressive. It's time to make the money plays because the objectives are going to double in points. They're going to go from one point per turn to two points. Yeah. So I've got, I've committed all of my mechs to two of the objectives. I have one backing up another mech essentially for each objective. I've got the champion and the Lancelot for one and the crab and the mongoose for the other, because if one objective goes, if it's yours or mine, I still have one at least. If I have two, that's even better but I always have two mechs for the two objectives. Yeah, I think that's why I made a risky push with the uh, Centurion at this point, because I felt like I was on the back foot. You definitely had uh, more of the objectives, more of the field covered. 
Um, so that's why I started playing, or I, I think that's why I made that riskier, riskier play. It's time to put up or shut up, so to speak. I still liked the Centurion push because it kind of maybe rethink shooting forward rather than clearing my backfield because you don't want someone running amok in your what you consider safe space essentially yeah and this is where a few mech choices that i actually actively push for came into fruition and that's the lancelot's arm flipping ability which was key for this game like i used it multiple times for most games i don't consider it great but for an objective game where you're thinking not as much statically front to back. You're thinking objective front to back. That was great because I was moving towards an objective. You had rushed behind me and I just flipped my arms back and put a large laser into your rear torso. Yeah, it was a great, it was a great play. Unfortunately, on your part. Yeah. Unfortunately, this entire game, we had many tacks and many structure roles, but very little, very little roles. And it was very disappointing. Yep. But the ability to just attack everything in your forward arc and your rear arc at the same time with, I want to say, at least more than 50% of your damage ability is cannot be understated. That is, yes. you are a 360 degrees threat. Yeah. The arm flippers with the bulk of their weapons in their arms are, yeah, you can't, you can't escape their firepower. It's nice. So let's take a quick break and we'll hear a word from our sponsors. Rev up those reactors, because I sure am hungry for some sea bills. Us here in the Crescent Hawks are looking for talented mech warriors with the drive to win it big. You may know me, Jason Youngblood, from your favorite hollow recording of The Secrets of the Phoenix Hawk Lamb, Wrestling with the Dragon, and Operation Liberty. But today, I'm giving you the chance to prove your worth on the battlefield and live out your dreams of fame and fortune. I'm holding trial to Ark Royal this June to select the next generation of Hawks. So come on down, put your money where your mech is, and prove that you have what it takes to be a part of the best mercenaries in the inner sphere. Today's segment is sponsored by Fortress Miniatures and Games, where you can pick up individual plastic mechs, professionally painted lances, and the new Hex City terrain to fill your tabletop needs. Check them out at FortressMiniaturesAndGames.com. And we're back. Okay, so turn one, two, and three have finished up. And at this point, me and you are at a tie at victory points. I've held two objectives for one turn and then one for one, giving me three points, and you've held essentially one for three. Yeah, one one objective per turn in the first three turns. We are even, even if I have one side of the table and you have just one objective secured completely. So going into turn four, this is when one objective goes away. So Yeah, we roll randomly, and the midfield objective... Uh, is the one that disappears. So now there's an objective on each side of what is effectively the area of engagement, which is only half the map, but uh, they're about, the objectives are about what, 13 hexes apart? Yeah, I think that's exactly how much we measured. Uh, So yeah, how did the removal of the middle objective change your game plan? I definitely wanted one of the two far objectives to go away because that would dictate a closer engagement where I could just move all of my fast mechs to kind of start circling around the two objectives. And this turned into a two discrete lines, especially with one objective behind a level one terrain and the other one behind a heavy woods and a light woods. So there was essentially no line of sight between our two objectives. And that just worked out how it was. 
I think I placed the one behind the partial cover and you placed the other one behind the woods, right? Uh, the one behind the woods is the center of the map. So that's the oh, has right. to go. So the one I placed was in no man's land. There was no terrain. There was nothing around it. I wanted to encourage a slight brawl with no discrete advantages or disadvantages. Yeah. So when that uh, center objective went away, I felt like I really had to commit um, to one objective for sure. So that was going to be the objective. The victor was already on. Um, and then I was just going to have to get crafty with the other one. Um, but I definitely shifted gears. Um, I was 100% playing for the objectives. Um, still trying to not make any silly mistakes, but mostly playing far more recklessly than I typically do. So turn four starts, and we've got two objectives, 13 hexes away from each other with no line of sight between them, and a big old empty no man's land to deal with. What I'm thinking at this point is I had to push you off of your objective at any cost, like as long as one of my mechs is on my objective, it doesn't matter if you kill all three as long as I get you off for one or two turns. Right, because at this point you have the point advantage. Oh, uh, well, at this point we're tied still. Oh, after oh, at the end of turn four? At the end of turn three and the removal of the middle objective, quote-unquote. Oh, I see. Yeah, you're right. So we're tied, and I feel like I'm the one that needs to react and act on that and dictate you moving off the objective. I don't care if I have to scare you off. I don't have to care if I push you off. I just need to do something to shift the balance of the game to my favor. At this point, I'm willing to commit my champion and my mongoose to the fray. So I leave my crab to back up where kind of the midfield. My Lancelot is now on my objective. I feel like it has enough armor even if it's taken one Goss round to the arm, it's still got a PPC and a large laser and a medium laser. And it's got enough extra fun and heat to kind of deal with anything that gets close. But I devote my champion and my mongoose to getting each flank. So I put my champion behind your grasshopper. And I'm hoping that it has enough weapons to deter you to either back off or commit to a brawl, essentially. Yeah, and I had... Definitely at this point, I had to commit to the brawl. So I moved all of my assets. Like I said, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to have to reinforce this objective and get crafty with the other one. So I bring everything over to the victor to reinforce it. So, yeah, at this point, I've got three, I've got two heavy mechs and I have one assault on slash securing the objective. And I just, I have to see if the dice are in my favor or not in my favor. And what happens after that turn? (laughs) Yeah, so I got a couple of super hot rolls. My victor lands like two shots with its Gauss rifle on 10s or 11s. I think we just kind of scrum uh, for the deck. So kind of turns four to six uh, is most, there's a lot of brawling over on that side. I'm trying to think or remember if anything especially um, exciting happens. My champion gets behind your grasshopper and I try to alpha strike you to get something lucky because I know you've got ammo in there and I'm Mm -hmm. hoping that if I can at least get something good that I can shift the tide of the balance in my favor because I don't want to deal with your assault mech over multiple periods of turns. I want to kind of get rid of a mech in like one flash. Yeah. I was hitting you on nine ups, even point blank, and I just couldn't rely on that. The LB 10 X missed the SRM six with Artemis missed. Two medium, lasers, two medium lasers, two small lasers, they all miss. 
I do less from the rear of you than I do from the crab from medium range with two large lasers. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I had to run the grasshopper. I got a mod of two and with gunnery skill of four, you know, it adds up fast. And uh, throw in some unlucky rolls and the grasshopper was ready to fight for the next couple of turns. Yeah, so at that point, I'm kind of wondering to myself, have I messed up? I've overcommitted my champion and my mongoose to kind of see if I can push anything, see if I can get lucky, see if I can exploit any holes in your battle plan. And turn five and six, I've actually decided to take my Lancelot off of my secured objective to throw in a little bit more rolls into the mix to see if I can get generate any advantage because a PBC and two large lasers is very good even for medium range. Uh, yeah, at this point, uh, you know, in this late turn five, turn four, I'm trying to get rid of the champion, so I'm trying to focus it down. Um, it's not dying anytime soon. Uh, my attention starts to wander. Uh, but, you know, my attention is kind of wandering to the Lancelot. You know, it's at range, putting fire into my mechs. The champion's getting pretty hot. Uh, so at this point, I feel like I can start to ignore it. Um, that wasn't entirely the right call. But, you know, and, and I'm starting to look at that other objective. You move your champ or you move your Lancelot off, I think, turn five. And that's when I put the Hermes over to that flank. So I see the opportunity turn five. And I think by turn six, the. Hermes is on the objective, and he's going to die for the Captain General. At this point, turn six, <laughs> I moved the, the the Hermes over there, and I fully expected him to die after um, one turn. So he had his mod that turn, but your crab was on top of him. Your Lancelot was through the woods, but right in front of him. And I think I'll get those two points this turn, but the Hermes will die either this turn or next turn, you know, turn six or turn seven. Yeah, you definitely exploited me for my one turn of I can move off of this objective and put a couple rounds of fire off of you and then move back onto it. You saw that and you decided, no, I'm going to move my light mech as fast as I physically can onto that objective and just hold it. I don't care if I die. I don't care if he shoots me. It's worth it to just because I'm not just buying this turn. I'm buying the next turn because he can't move there if he doesn't kill me this turn. Right. Yeah, the champion does not die. The champion doesn't really do as much damage as we all thought it would do. Right. It moves into a woods and it just stays there. But boy, my, it yeah. becomes a bullet sponge. Yeah, because at this point it's, I want to say, at plus 12 heat. Like, I completely cooked its 10 regular heat sinks. And I'm just sitting with five hexes of space in between your objective with your victor on it. And I have a heavy mech just dead still to your dead still mech but i've got plus two to my movement i've got plus two to my shooting essentially that mech will never get to move again unless i just give up a turn of shooting yep and the mongoose is on the other side hoping that you will commit something into it and i will punch you on the back but we've essentially got this nice like triangle thing between our objectives you have both of them at this point and as we will see, leaving my objective, even for the gamble, will prove that I lost that gamble. It is extremely difficult to move a mech off of a hex. Especially when you forget about charges and pushes. Especially <laughs> when you forget about charging and pushes, which we both yeah, forgot. We both our, totally forgot. In our eagerness to play. <laughs> because 
if there's one thing that would have changed the outcome of this, it's charging because there were many one or zero hex moves of getting point blank and just not being able to do anything. Yeah, the the mechs become dead weights on the objectives when you because mechs always last longer than we think they're going to, um, unless you get lucky and there's just no way to get the mech off unless you push your charge, which we totally forgot about. So, uh, so in that light, you know, I feel like that was the right play and I'd kind of secured, um, both of the objectives and having a four point swing is pretty devastating. I think, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but what do you think? Yeah. You didn't just turn this into a four point lead by the end of turn six, you turn this into an eight point lead, which is very hard to recover from considering each turn the objective is worth two points. Uh, so yeah, you want to start talking about the, uh, you know, the, the, the last part of the meat of the game turns like seven through nine. Yeah. So we consider this over the crest. And if you haven't secured your army's objectives by now, then it's going to be a tough battle. And I gave up my army's objective for the hope that I could deploy pressure on you, draw you either in, draw you off, do something to make you react in a way that you didn't want to, but you held firm. You did not move. You reacted to my champion and Mongoose running over and you just held firm on the objective. So you were playing PTFO, play the objective. Yeah, I was playing the objective. (laughs) Exactly, which I think is great. So you saw through my ruse and you just punished me for it. So turns seven through nine, I feel like you have the lead and you have a light mech that is fast enough to exploit your two objective advantage, essentially. So if I lose the initiative then you will move off the objective and I can't get onto it to score. Like you don't need to score. And for two of these turns, you actually get off of it and then get immediately back onto it. Yeah. I had a super sneaky or lucky um, situation where I had lost the initiative, but I got to move first, which means I got to move my Hermes. I think this may have happened around turn five, um, but I'm remembering it now. I had to move my Hermes back onto that objective. So first mech to move that turn, you know, I had moved him onto the objective, off to the off of the objective the previous turn, and I got him right back on there, uh, so he could have a modifier, um, which was you know, pretty clutch. And I could only do it because I lost initiative for whatever turn that was. Uh, but he was he was speedy, he was flexible, and he was hard to hit. I mean, I thought my Lancelot, what was it like, th- four hexes off of the objective could arm flip and get a light mech, but. Just you getting onto the objective, generating a high enough modifier was difficult enough for me to shoot you. So even with no armor, that modifier really came in. So a light mech really. Yep. I think you landed out its bonus here. Yeah. I think you landed like a large laser, which was devastating for the Hermes, but devastating, you know, losing your arm is not that bad when you're just trying to die for the captain, the captain general. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This was definitely a mechs don't matter. Objectives do. And a light mech, while some might say it might not have the offensive or defensive firepower, it definitely had the still armor points to sit on an objective and rack up points to win the game. Hmm. And turn seven, eight, nine, you got, you were only on that objective one of those turns, but you prevented me from getting onto it for two of them. Right. Which is immensely critical. Uh, you did manage to put down the Hermes eventually. Um, I think towards, you know, turn nine or something like that. 
uh, my victor, that whole scrum that was happening over on the other flank where I was using the grasshopper and the centurion as best I could to screen for that victor. Um, you know, the victor has got 18 points of armor on its arms. Uh, and luckily for me, all the damage was going to the left arm and the legs of my victor. Uh, that gauss rifle in the right arm was basically untouched. Yeah, I don't think throughout the whole game that I touched the gauss arm, which was very disappointed to me because that's a primary weapon that you want to knock out yep. early. And I've got the record sheet right here in front of me. And you got internal on my left arm. My you, you removed the left leg from the mech later in the game, but the right arm, literally no hits on the right arm. The right torso untouched. Um, so... I definitely got lucky in that regard, too. I've definitely had games with my victors, because I love my victors, where, you know, within the first two, three turns, that that primary weapon's gone. And, you know, it can go both ways. And this time it went it went my way. You definitely held it in. You you realize that an assault mech not moving, but holding the objective and racking up the goal of the mission was more important than getting any kills. Because he he got a few Goss hits in and he got a few laser hits, but... Other than that, he really was just sitting on the objective. Yep. It was just babysitting that objective, racking up the points. Um, so, you know, turn 10, 11, and 12, kind of the the sunset of the game. So by this point, you finally put my champion down after an engine hit, a head hit, a leg damage. I've passed three PSRs in one turn, still haven't died. And the next turn, you finished me off just by getting through all of my CT armor, and then my CT is structure. There was literally nothing left of the mech to bubble in by that point. Yeah, I feel like you were doing an excellent job of giving me tough target priority decisions. Uh, the champion was over there attempting target because it was immobile. It wasn't immobile, sorry. It wasn't moving. It wasn't generating a modifier. You were making my life hard with the mongoose, but also keeping the crab you know, in front, I think with low mods for most of the game. So I was like really trying to, f- trying to put things down. Um, but you were spreading the damage around uh, for sure. So all your mechs were around until very late in the game. I say they, they, they did start to fall, you know, in this, this sunset portion of the game turns 10, 11 and 12. Yeah. Uh, I Yeah. So by the end of the game, I've killed the Hermes finally, which has let me put my crab on the objective. So I'm racking points back up. I've mm-hmm. committed my Lancelot back into the, I want to say brawl, but he's slowly moving towards because his minimum ranges for everything is, his short range, I should say, is five. So he's yeah. putting good mods on the victor that's not moving, but has partial cover, which is extremely important because I think several of our hits hit the ground rather than hit him, which saved him on several PSRs. Yeah, eventually you're removing all of your mechs up onto that level one so you could uh, shoot past that partial cover because that my Victor was trying to take advantage of. And I didn't want to get on that level one. Like that was in close range for medium pulse laser range. That was SRM range. That was Victor plus the two other mechs could really exploit the open level one that was there. Because, I mean, while partial cover is good for you, me being in open terrain with a one or two mod is not good enough to counter that. I did land some lucky shots with the Gauss rifle early in the game, but the victor did with two, two turns in a row, um, two shots on four up or five up. I think one was five up and the other one was four up or something like that. So, um, 
less luck in the Gauss rifle in the later portions of the game, but I think at that point it would kind of kind of would have been insult to injury because um, I was at this point, you know, turns nine through twelve, I was like, you know, how do I keep my victor alive? I was playing super reactively because I already had that objective secured. I already had the lead, and I was kind of coasting at this point. I tried to give you the worst possible targets, and if I couldn't stay in medium range for your cross rifle, I was going to be point blank to get the minimum two range of the Gauss rifle, which right. is equivalent. It's either stay minimum range or stay medium range. Short range is just giving you a good, too good of a hit because you're not moving. You can just torso twist to get plus zero on me. My options were limited. So I decided to commit the Lancelot and the Mongoose, try to push you off. The Mongoose then goes for the Grasshopper and the Centurion. And I will say almost every turn, it's putting three medium lasers and a small laser into you. Yes, it turning was. maybe one turn down to sink back to neutral heat, but just not forcing the PSR or not getting anything good on those really hampered my decision making. I think later in the game, another interesting thing that happens is you were stabbing my back uh, with your mongoose, but the victor and the grasshopper, um, the mech designers fortuitously put plenty of rear armor on those mechs. So I don't think you let me look at my sheet yeah you'd never managed to get through the rear armor of the grasshopper i mean we're talking 10 points in the left and right rear torso um the victor you didn't i think there was just one shot but also the victors 15 points in the center torso 10 on the left and right torsos um so i had a lot of armor and it ended up getting rolled around um especially my grasshopper my grasshopper is just you know riddled with bullet holes at this point in the game and it's just (laughs) it's I mean, I got one crit to a jump jet. I mean, the thing was, you know, combat effective and enforced withdrawal, technically. Yeah, but this was no force withdrawal. But right, that, we that is one withdrawal. big thing to think about is while shooting the rear of your enemy might be good, he's that's almost a fresh side. For Later torsos. into the engagement, yeah. Yeah, it, you almost want to be shooting the front because your other mechs are probably shooting the front as well. The only thing that the rear armor really helps you is he's not able to put all of his weapons into you. So that's free weapon shots and a free punches or free kicks. Yeah. And I put several kicks in, but at this point I only got one forced PSR where you failed. Yeah, there were lots of kicks in this game um, and lots of good PSR rolls. The, I think the victor went down because it lost a leg and then the pilot loses consciousness. And we'll talk a little bit about that in like kind of the um It never looking lost back the leg. The, it, just, it just got unlucky on the PSR roll. I think I hit an actuator on a lucky crit. Yeah, you had critted out the left leg and I, you know, I'm rolling sevens maybe on those PSRs. That sounds right. And I, I went down and then the, I had already been already taken a shot to the face. Uh, I fail my five up consciousness check. I failed, I failed the seatbelt check, I think. Yeah. Um, and then fail the consciousness check. Yeah. Seatbelt check. You crash hard. The victor's out, but still scoring points. Um, so I think that kind of segues. Oh, also the, I think maybe the very last turn of the game, the centurion puts the LBX through the back of the Lancelot's head, um, which was funny, but it was the end of the game. So kind of not a big deal. Yeah. So at this point you've put, I want to say the Centurion, which is wounded, 
over to try to see if the crab will play with you, essentially. Yeah. You're wanting to see if I'll push it forward, I'll push back, if I'll give you the objective. But I've kind of learned my lesson by now and say, this crab lives or dies on the objective, no matter what range you get to. Yep. And my Lancelot and Mongoose are fighting over the victor's objective. My Mongoose goes to try to run interference and pays heavily for that. I think you took out a leg, an arm, both side torsos. It just got lit up as a, as a light mech should when it's trying to point blank a regular mech without generating a more than a plus one mod. Right. But the victor goes down, he's unconscious, and the Lancelot is... The best Kicking, part was the, shooting. <laughs> yeah, the best part was the Lancelot had planned to try to kick you in the face, or at least the side torsos, and yes. do like more damage on the kick, but you failed the PSR and you went down, which was fascinating because it's the one time you wanted to fail the PSR, and I did not want you to fail the PSR. Right, because you were on that level one and I was on that level zero, and now all of a sudden you can't kick that turn. Yeah, so 16% chance to just ultimately kill you because you'd already had head damage was gone. So I have to spend one turn of running to get to point blank on level zero. And after that, you call my bluff, you get right behind me, and you put 10 points of damage. You put a big old LB-10X slug right through my cockpit. Yep. Um, I think it's funny that the Victor, you know, unconscious pilot, so you're getting you're adjacent to prone. So I think you're getting minus six. I'm like, just roll the locations with that Lancelot and the Victor still manages to just tank it all. Mechs are tough. And I think we constantly underestimate how much armor, even a point blank target is. Yep. Post game. So Dustin, where can you blame the tactics, the dice or the rust? And let me just say that I scored 11 points of our mission and you scored 27 points on our mission. So you win Almost by three times of an, an advantage. It's a little combination of all the three. Uh, we we forget to push and charge, but it plays into my hand better that we forget these things because I have secured the objectives and we forget that that's even an option. So I think that's where the game, one of the places the game went my way. I, I played the objective, especially after like turn four. I was like, let's do this. Let's get those objectives. So I think that also helped me win the game. I decided to you know, play super aggro, play, play to get those objectives and, you know, mechs be damned. You're going to, I did at that point, I didn't really care if they died. Yeah. Post turn five, I wasn't being reckless, but I was being almost reckless. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, I definitely would chalk some of this up to rust. I mean, we can talk about charging, but until we get mechs on the table and dice in our hands, we completely forget about everything that doesn't make us comfortable in what we're doing. So I'm much more comfortable rolling medium lasers than I am rolling charges. Mm -hmm. And that Mm -hmm. was something that I forgot about, but definitely needed to keep in mind, which would have helped me push you off of objectives. I want to say seven of those turns. Yeah. I will say I don't want to blame your... Catalyst Games Lab uh, Clan Wolf <laughs> dice, but my God, I've never seen so many sixes rolled in my life. Uh, I yeah, they were they were great, but I, I don't remember when it was in the game, and I went to roll uh, something where you want to roll low, but I rolled those dice and they were hot, and you were like, "Live by the dice, die by the dice." What was that? I think it was the you rolled a, a twelve on your initiative, and then you rolled the two on the PSR. Because you definitely passed out on a two. Oh, okay. So 
I'm going to put this at 50% Rust and 50% Tactics. So I was definitely over eager to push and try to dictate the engagement after turn three. Like I had two objectives and one of them went away and I had one objective to your one objective. So we were tied. After that, I took a nickel ball of Gauss to the arm of my Lancelot and I gave into the fear that I could lose significant weapons right out of the gate because at that point I was like, I'm a medium laser away from losing a large laser on a heavy mech. And the Lancelot is actually my primary damage mech. So I gave into fear. I moved him back. Like I moved him completely almost to my deployment zone. Mm -hmm. And I let that victor just push me. And where I thought I was dictating the engagement, the victor said, no, no, I am dictating the engagement. Look at me. I'm the captain now. (laughs) Yeah. Look at me. I'm the assault mech now. My (laughs) goss beats your two large lasers in PPC. It doesn't when you think about it. Like, you had no other long range hit me at that range weapons. It's just 15 damage, one spot. You're probably not going to hit that arm again. I just gave into that fear. Okay. So I let him push me off that entire side of the table, and he kept me spread out when I kind of easily pushed with the champion, the Lancelot, and the Kreb against your two mechs, your Centurion and your Grasshopper. So I definitely underestimated getting off of the objective as well. So like I took my Lancelot and my my champion off thinking, well, I can push a, a Victor off that's unsupported. No, because... The victor just doesn't have to move. Mechs don't have to move, and they, they you can't get them to move unless they want to move, and that's critical. So I underestimated getting off the objective. If I had started on that with something that didn't have to move off of it, I could force him to come to me. Like if I had put the mongoose on that and the crab, the mongoose can take a Gauss rifle hit and probably stay alive. The crab definitely can. So I definitely lost in the in the engagement range. Because I gave into my fear. I take, I bubble in 15 points and I'm like, I'm not doing so hot, even if I've done 16 <laughs> points of damage across four mechs. Right. So, how do you think you did in post game? I mean, you won. We know this, but. Uh, yeah, I think uh, forgetting to, forgetting that we could charge and push uh, played into my hand more than it did. Because when I secured both of those objectives, when I was using that Hermes kind of in a cheeky way and just, you know, putting the Victor, you know, couch potato style on the other um, objective, it was, they were hard to remove. And that was a tool in the toolbox that you had forgotten about and I had forgotten about. And I think that would have made the game uh, less decisive. You know, if you could have pushed my Victor, there were many, there were turns and turns and turns where charges and pushes could have been attempted. Uh, So I think that could have been different. Um, I feel like the dice were a little in my favor. Uh, That early game shot with the Gauss rifle that got you spooked was on like a 10 or 11. Uh, I was fully not expecting that to connect. Um, And I think I got another shot off the next turn on high numbers, high mods. Um, So yeah, you know, I think you got that, the the champion on the right torso, which kind of made me scared. It was like the mech's now ruined. It's only got like a one or two turn life expectancy now. In actuality, it had several turns left. Yeah, I think that thing was around to like turn seven or eight. Easy. Yeah. So yeah, I think that played into me winning the game. And then I played hard on the objective. I played, like I said, aggressively with a pinch of caution. I didn't want to make 
huge mistakes, uh, but I took a lot of back shots. I had to give up a lot of positioning because I was just trying to reinforce that victor. Uh, and it's difficult to get mods when one mech is stationary and you're just trying to screen for that mech. But I, you know, it was worth it, and that played out for me in the end. It it turned out that it was worth it to take that fire. Yeah, just not care. Don't don't worry. You're on the objective. It takes some more turns than you think to push an assault mech off. Because I definitely i I think we can both agree I won the positioning. Like my speedy mechs definitely. I shot. Yeah, they were very flexible. Yeah, I shot at your rear more times than you shot at my rear over the entire course of the game. Yeah. Um, it could have it could have been a very different game, you know, if the Centurion had gone down in that shot that, you know, but there's there's all kind of roles that could have made the game go differently. So, yeah, there was um, no edge on this game. There was no rerolls. It was straight. What rolls equals what happens? Yep. Uh, so who would you say was my MVP? See, that's that's difficult because I want to say you're Victor just for psychological purposes. Mm hmm because it held the objective and it never moved. Like, you literally moved it for two turns, and it never moved the rest of the game. It only got six, maybe seven turns of Goss off out of 12 turns, so more than 50%, but it wasn't, like, clipping heads off. It wasn't taking limbs off. It was just like, here's random 15 damage. Deal with it. Here's an arm. It's like, okay, cool. I've got multiple other limbs to deal with Mm -hmm. the hermy the hermes though i have to give the actual mvp because a light mech on on an objective game with initiative rules see everyone underestimates the light mech until initiatives in play and i lost the objective and i decided to get off and you put the hermes on which meant for two turns that objective was yours there's nothing i can do about it i can kill you but I can't move you right. without charging. And I wasn't able to commit to the charge at that point. What about for me? Well, what were my MVPs in this losing game? Uh, for me, I feel like your MVP was the Lancelot. Um, it had scary firepower. It had great mobility. And the th- it was just a pain in my butt for the whole entire game. Uh, it landed lots of large lasers, a um, couple PPC shots, and... It was really anchoring that offensive push against the victor. I, yeah, I just thought it was a very, very flexible mech, a great platform, a, you know, great armor, great firepower, and great mobility. Um, and I just think it was, uh, uh, you know, the star of the match. After definitely listening to the On the Origin of Battle Mechs Lancelot episode, I kind of wanted to put a little bit more like, hey, the Lancelot is a good mech. And the originally designed with Indosteel and an XL engine is a good mech with two large lasers and a PVC. A 6.9 with a heavy chassis is hard to put as a bad flavor. Like, it could really move anywhere. And when I put it off the objective, it went through a woods, went four hexes, and it's still in walking, and it's using a level one as cover. So it could kind of move wherever I really needed it to. It's just I decided to put that on the objective i tried i decided to put my most mobile asset on the objective rather than something that didn't need to move and that's where i made the mistake of misusing the lancelot i would say your definite number two was the mongoose it was one successful backstabbing away from being the mvp but uh, fortunately for me you never quite got through into the juicy bits from the 
you know, the rear arc. Uh, so yeah, I had to give it to the Lancelot. No, no, I agree. The Lancelot was my king of the day. Um, thoughts on the mission looking back. So I, we're going to release this mission pack. We would love, I would, I won't speak for Josh, but I would definitely love you guys to play test it. Uh, I'm definitely going to be making a couple of adjustments to the mission. Um, going forward, we talked about, uh, I, I think we touched on how it, it felt kind of, kind of feels, feels bad, right? You know, an unconscious mech just flopping around on the grounds, uh, flopping a little bit or just being unconscious. I was scoring points with that Victor that was you know, combat ineffective. So I think um, I'll switch that to the mech needs to be standing and conscious on the objective to actually score points. You can still deny your opponent those points by having an immobile mech on that objective, but at least it's not, you're not getting twice as much, right? Here's a mech on the objective. He's unconscious. I just have to, he's no longer a mech. He's essentially a bunker and I just have to drill through this bunker. It's hard getting through a victor worth of armor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I definitely liked having 12 turns. You can count it with 2d6. I felt like 12 turns was a great number of turns. It took us a while to get through this game, but like, you know, there was a little bit of distraction during the day. We were socializing a little bit. We hadn't seen each other in a while. Um, a friend stopped to buy, but I think in a tournament setting, this definitely could get wrapped up in an hour and a half. And I think I'll be doing 12 turn limits. Uh, I'll have that in mind for the next two missions I, we write up uh, for the mission or for the uh, tournament pack. I, I really enjoyed the that length of game. Yeah, 12 turns. I had one mech. At, I want to say 66% combat effectiveness. And you had a victor that had just woken back up but was still on the ground. You had a centurion that was at 33%. Like I had structure on three or more places in a grasshopper. Oh, the centurion was about to go. Yeah. The grasshopper was about to go. Um, the victor was legged. So yeah, things were, it was, it was good. A forced withdrawal. I used that as a crutch in my first tournament because I needed to speed the games up. I think having the objectives, um, it's possible that we won't need, or I won't need forced withdrawal going forward, uh, which was nice because then you didn't have to think about it. You know, what do you think about that? Yeah, uh, it was it was actually nice to not have to worry about force withdrawal. I could play with the mech, and as long as it was effective, I could use it. As long as the pilot was awake, and I had ammo in the guns, it was still doing headshots. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, force withdrawal wasn't necessary with a determined combat length. It was nice to know I can generate X heat. If I generate one heat a turn, and I'm okay with getting to 12 heat. I don't have to worry about force withdrawal. Like that was kind of nice. I could play Battletech as it was quote meant to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that I would like to hear back or I'd like feedback on is the lack of any edge roll, um, you know, any edge points. So in my first uh, tournament, you had edge, you could make, you could force a reroll, pretty much any reroll uh, to kind of get rid of that lucky headshot or that golden BB on the opening turn. Um, I, I, I kind of forgot to put it in, frankly, but I wonder if that was, you know, the right choice. So I'm going to leave it out um, and get back to me. And I thought it was. Me. I thought it was nice that you could just play without having to worry. Like, oh man, if he burns his edge on this turn, then he won't have it. Like, no, no, I'm literally just playing Battletech. If it's Battle Mech that, Manual to exactly. the tournament, right? If I yeah. hit your head, then and do enough damage, then you're dead. If you collapse and you pass out, you're dead. It was nice just to play straight up, no 
homebrew, no added in stuff. Like this is just mech on mech combat and with objectives. Yep. So for this week's Lanson review, we asked the Discord server to write your favorite list with your favorite new upgrades from the Helm Memory Core. So uh, not necessarily with this mission in mind, because I don't think you all would have known, but just a <laughs> if you general... did, your psychics and we <laughs> need to send you back to Terra for questioning. So for this week's Lanson review, we took a list from the Mech Bay Podcast Discord server, and our random friend Jake was the lucky Mech Warrior. His list for a post Helm Core Lance is the Hatamoto He 727U. Uh, this chassis is rocking four medi- medium pulse lasers and two PPCs. A Panther 9R, which is our intro tech buddy. The Dragon 5N, which is basically a dragon, but now with UAC 5. And the Victor 9B, which is the best Victor, the intro tech Victor with a AC20. SRM4 and two medium lasers. Uh, so what do you like about this lance, Josh? So I definitely like that there's a distinct theme, like Hatamoto He, a panther and a dragon, and a random assault mech is the most draconis combined lance I can think of. Yeah, I mean you could you could spot it from orbit. Like, yep, the DCMS <laughs> is here. <laughs> the DCMS is here and they're ready to play. But I definitely like that this has the mechs and the weapons to play to the range, but also to brawl. Like, this is the ultimate Draconis, all-purpose, drop it on a planet. It can do whatever you need without, like, too much overhead command. Yeah, this uh, Hatamoto uh, 27U, uh, a chassis I hadn't seen before, I really like it. Because initially, you think it's undersynced. You know, it's really hot, but really... You're either running it at long range or you're brawling with those four medium pulse lasers. Uh, and it's got the armor and, you know, to back all of that up. So uh, what a great chassis. I'll be taking a look at that one in the future. The Lance having three PPCs just says, don't try to come at me at range. I'll hit you with 30 points of damage and punish you for every hex that you try to walk. Yeah. And that UAC 5 at range is, you know, nothing to sneeze at. Uh, and then you have that Victor. You know, you have that very mobile, you have that AC-20 with jump jets and support weapons, you know, for that close-in punch to really, really lay it down and brawl it with. Uh, this lance has got it all. It's flexible. It has mobility. It has armor. And it has firepower. Uh, I like it a lot. Great job, Jake. Yeah. No, this this really is the, I can hit you at short, I can hit you at medium, and I can hit you at long don't even know if I have any critiques. Uh, and 4,997 BV. Like, nice. <laughs> right on the money. No room to spare. <laughs> um, I will say my only thoughts on this is any line of sight breaking terrain or anything and this lance crumbles. Like, And this is something that we determined in my game for the mission, which was I have no jump jets and I have no indirect fire. And this list, in my opinion, kind of suffers the same thing. There's a little bit of mobility for that, like the Panther and everything, but they're and the Victor, but not as much as I would want for an all-rounder list like this is kind of set up to be. What are your thoughts? Yeah, my only thoughts for this Lance is I would love to see it on the table. Um, on paper, like I was saying earlier, um, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know if uh, I have any critiques. I personally 
don't like LRMs. So in my opinion, I'll disagree with Josh a little bit here. And I just, I, I don't know. I feel like LRMs, especially when you're relying on spotting um, and indirect fire, it just never works out for me. And maybe I haven't figured out how to do it right. So, you know, that that's something I could definitely look into in the future. But yeah, this one hits, this one checks all the boxes for me. Uh, and I'd love to see it in action. Yeah, I think, I think my only other thing is it's a little slow with essentially everything being four or six, except the dragon. Like the dragon is your fastest thing, which is fine. That's normally a dragon's job. It's kind of be the tip of the spear for the emperor. Oh yeah. You know what? I would have to agree. I didn't realize that these were, yeah, it's all four, six. I'm, I either want to have like a three, five assault and a bunch of flexibility or maybe two, four, sixes. And I really like to have jump jets on those four, six, four, or, you know, four, six, which you do with the Panther and the Victor and the Hatamoto, you know, could get bogged down a little bit and the dragon five, eight is good. Um, but it's not super fast. There's no six, nine in here um, or, you know, or faster because you've given up that light mech slot for the Panther, which is, you know, an assault mech support. Yeah. The Panther is not like the light mech in what we think a light mech is, which is a fast moving scout or a fast moving backstabber or something to like get good spotting. The Panther is kind of the, I sit with, the heavy mechs and the assault mechs and just kind of support them. Like it's, it's almost just BV added onto them. Yeah. I mean, it's still a great list. I can't argue with that. It's just a little yeah. slow for my taste. And I feel like it suffers the same problems that my list that I just took for our game suffered from, which was lack of all direct jump- fire. Yeah. Lack of indirect fire and lack of jumping, which if you're, if you are setting this lance for a game, that that's not critical. That's fine. It's just one of those things that you have to look out for. Like this will definitely outsnipe you on most pre-invasion post helm memory core, unless you have ER large lasers or ER PPCs, which is not too many mechs for. But the LRMs will definitely hit your PPC mechs at the same time that they're hitting you. So, still a good list. Still one that I would definitely take on an average day. Thanks thanks for everybody else to send us a list this week. So I'm going to give everyone next episode's call to action, which is to send us your favorite pre-invasion custom mech. That's right. I want to see what weird, wild, and weapon-filled death machines you like to roll around in that don't exist in the lore. So send us the mech sheet, the mech lab text, or whatever lets us know what we were up against at a glance. And just to spice it up a little bit, throw in a bit of flavor so we know what was going through your brain when you made this. It can be straight-up technical readout style, in-universe description, or just why you made this mech to kill that one guy's all-large pulse laser mech. We'll pick our favorite one, and we'll talk about it on the next show. There's no BV limit or tonnage limit. Just try to limit yourself to technology that would have been around before the clans. If you liked today's episode and you want to hear more of us, you can find us on Facebook at the Mech Bay Podcast. You can also, if you have any questions, you can also reach us at the mechbaypodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to talk with us on a mech-to-mech basis, you can reach us on our Discord, where you can find our invite to that on our Facebook page.